Welcome to Friday's Child, the podcast, formerly known as Life School ME. When I started Life School back in June 2019, my vision for where I wanted to take the podcast and how it would grow was not 100% clear. I knew I wanted to interview inspiring women and share their stories, but there was no grand plan. And that's okay. I'm a firm believer in starting before you're ready. But after falling pregnant with my beautiful daughter Mavia and deciding to focus on the world of bumps and babies for series two, I discovered a new passion for all things related to pregnancy and birth. The things I learned about the female body and birth during my pregnancy journey have changed me forever and ignited a newfound passion and love for this subject matter. So Life School has been reborn as Friday's Child and during this series I will be talking to first-time mums, childbirth educators and industry experts on all things motherhood. Whether you're newly pregnant, a first-time mum, or maybe you just want to find out more about the world of babies and motherhood, I hope you enjoy listening to my wonderful guests and that hopefully you can take away some helpful information and insights. Now let's get on with the show. My guest today is a remarkable woman who is on a mission to revive, reclaim, and restore sacred and ancient Moroccan postpartum medicines and traditions. I am talking about Layla B. Layla is an entrepreneur, mother, soulful change maker and business mentor, traditional Moroccan postpartum trainer, writer and philanthropist. It was truly fascinating to learn how in Morocco the nafsa, also known as the new mother, is completely supported, provided for and honoured. I wish every woman was made to feel this safe, protected and understood during the fourth trimester. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Layla B. Leila, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, Leila, can we start by you telling us a little bit about your background and about the incredible work that you do in the world of postpartum recovery and healing? Yes, I would love to share. Um, So I'm a mum of three little ones. I'm British, but also originally from Morocco. And I've been here in Dubai for the past 10 years. Um, I never thought I would be into this world of the postpartum, the birth and and this healing um, journey that I was led onto. But that was because of my three children. So mainly with the first, after I had uh, my first birth in the UK, it was a negative birth experience. I, I planned and hoped for a different kind of experience, but it didn't happen. It didn't work out. So from there, I just started to learn more from my own self so that if I had more children, that I could have a better birth experience. And luckily, that was the case with my second and third. And then as I was going back to Morocco, I kept learning and experiencing different postpartum traditions from elders and traditional midwives and that's when I was really interested in this work and I thought okay I want to share this with the world Um, I want everyone to know about these uh, sacred rituals that we have in Morocco and that's what led me to you know start writing my book and I've created an online course and basically just everything I do is with this mission to revive, reclaim and restore these traditions that we have in, in Morocco for the first 40 days in the postpartum. And can I ask Leila, did the sort of negative birth experience you had with your first child really impact your postpartum recovery compared to your more positive experiences with your uh, second children, your, your second and third children? 
Yes, yeah, yeah, it did most definitely. Um, with my first, I was aiming for, you know, a natural type of birth uh, with my first and I thought it would just happen automatically, but I was going to a hospital setting. So of course you have to have this prior education where you know what you want and what, you know, you will accept and stand up for. So I wasn't prepared. So then every time they just said, you need this, you need an IV, you need to do this, you can't move, you can't, you know, have this active birth. So I just accepted what they said, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, after the birth and I got a episiotomy, which I didn't want to have, but they just did it without even asking. Um, so afterwards I had a lot of uh, complications and it took a very long time for me to heal with the, with the episiotomy. So my postpartum journey was like eight, nine months for me to heal completely. Whereas with the second and, and third, I had natural births, I had natural tears, uh, and it took way, way, way quicker. Within a month, two months, I, I was feeling much better and able to recover. I did have postpartum support, you know, from my family for all three. But just because of that negative birth experience and all the, you know, the experience that I had with the episiotomy and just everything that I went through, it just took longer uh, to heal compared to the other births that I had. Yeah, and I, I'm so passionate about women going into their births from a place of education and feeling empowered so that they know, okay, these are my options. This is what I may get offered. This is what I'm, this is what it might um, then lead on to. These are the different paths it can take because so often I hear women who feel like their birth just sort of happened to them. And sometimes it can happen very quickly as well. And in the moment, I mean, you just don't know how you're going to feel or how it's all going to mm -hmm. Um, how it's all going to kind of plan out. But I feel so upset for women who I feel are sometimes put in a situation that they shouldn't be. And sometimes it's very much down to the hospital wanting things to move along quicker um, rather than actually the absolute care of the mother um, and the baby. And it's so wonderful to hear that you then went on to have a really positive experience after that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about these sacred traditions and what is it that they do in Morocco in these 40 days, which I guess is, mm -hmm. is what we sort of um, also refer to as the fourth trimester. So those sort of first three months after your baby is born. Yep, yep, absolutely. I agree with what you said as well. So that was me in the beginning with, you know, I wasn't really... Uh, I didn't educate myself properly before going into a hospital setting. It's different if you're having a birth at home um, where things just naturally happen and, you know, the midwife can come and help. But in a hospital setting, they want to interfere. So there's all these interventions that can lead up to a birth you didn't want to have. But any, as long as the person is educated and... Um, like educates themselves, I mean, on the birth that they want to have and prepare for it, then it doesn't matter, you know, what choices we all, you know, choose exactly. for ourselves. Absolutely. Because everyone, you know, some people choose to have a cesarean birth, but they choose to know that and they, you know, study it and they're happy with that choice. For me, it was different because I didn't want the birth that I had. But, um, you know, I learned from that and just, you know, prepared myself for the next and they happened the way I wanted because I was ready. So it's all about informed mm. choices. Um, and then, of course, leading on to your question about the postpartum. So we have lots of traditional rituals. 
I've classified them into like these uh, six stages, so a framework where we have uh, welcome her, honor her, nourish her, nurture her, close her, and celebrate her. So they all work in sync together. So for at least the first 40 days, as a minimum, uh, a new mother in Morocco traditionally is taken care of really, really well. So she has her own word. In Arabic, it's called nafsa, which means a new mother. In, in, in Morocco, we say nafisa. So it's just a different variation coming from the word nafsa. And that's what I base my trainings upon. And so in these 40 days, she should not um, have to do any work in the house at all. So her main goal is to rest, recoup, recover, and of course, feed the baby if she chooses to breastfeed and just recover. You know, it's, it's a very intense um, feeling after giving birth, regardless of, you know, those, some people will say, oh, I've had such an easy birth. Even so, easy is just in comparison maybe to what they've seen somewhere else. But any birth is not easy and you need lots of recovery um, and time to heal properly. So that includes lots of rest lots and lots of support so people who are going to uh, clean for you cook for you uh, take care of you if you have other children uh, someone should be around to help out with them doing the laundry so literally anafsa doesn't do anything uh, food will be prepared for her so we nurture her and we nourish her with special foods so lots of foods with warming spices and herbs everything we offer is warm or hot um, easy to digest so we don't offer anything raw crunchy cold foods because we want uh, the warmth in the body physically mm. and the herbs and warming spices like cumin black uh, pepper ginger turmeric so all types of warming uh, spices and herbs which actually help uh, heal the body we have things like traditional baths uh, and we use womb steaming it's known as well as vaginal steaming but we call it womb steaming and we use different herbs to bring warmth again back to the, the uterus. Um, and it helps it to keep contracting. Of course, the uterus does its job anyways, but these are other ways to help the recovery. And, and, and with womb steaming, we use it throughout a woman's life in any case. So we use it for any fertility issues, any menstruation issues, and just for general womb wellness. I actually did do uh, so steaming in the in the sort of last three weeks of my pregnancy and postpartum. Um, okay, I loved it. Oh, that's good. I usually do it every every month as well, so I enjoy that traditional ritual. We also have something called closing the bones. It's quite common in the Mexican tradition, but we also actually have that in Moroccan uh, culture. And some of the traditional midwives know about that. And we use a traditional cloth made of wool. And we will, uh, the new mother would lay on the floor. And then we would literally close the body using that cloth to create this nice tension. And it's like bringing the bones back. Because in pregnancy, everything's in an open state. And the body is in a hotter state. So after giving birth, it's still in the open state and you don't feel as hot anymore when you're in the postpartum so that's why we need to bring back warmth and start to close the body um we also do belly binding that's another ritual we do and that helps the uterus and the organs to start coming back in their place and it just brings that comfort as well after you've been carrying a baby for so long 
and then after you give birth the binding can help as well so we have lots of different uh, rituals but the nefsa is literally treated like a queen people around her to support her take care of her provide these rituals almost every other day and then we have a celebration party for the new mom and family and friends are invited to share a meal and celebrate her and again the nefsa the new mom is not doing any of the preparations so she just gets to enjoy and even if there are guests coming again she's not the one taking care of them so it sounds amazing right <laughs> it sounds incredible and I love what you said about even if you've had a sort of quote unquote easy birth, you are, still, yeah. you know, I had a sort of quite straightforward, really positive birth experience. Um, but I still felt like I've been in a war. I still felt exactly. really <laughs> vulnerable and I wasn't in pain, but I just, everything felt very tender and I, and I just felt mm -hmm. vulnerable. That that's, that's the sort of word that springs to mind. And I was very lucky because I did make sure I put myself in a position where my husband has family out here and I did feel like I had that support. Um, but I really did feel, yeah, like I, I kind of, I really missed my mum. My mum couldn't be here, unfortunately. And mm. you're, you're feeling so many different emotions. You get this rush of hormones. You're looking after this little brand new baby and it's a lot and I think as women we just try to kind of do everything and like carry on and I think it can mm. come as a real shock when you f have your first baby it, you really do just have to like just stop everything else everything else can wait and you take care of you and your baby and I really feel for women who don't have that support or just aren't aware so what would you love mothers to understand about those first 40 days that fourth trimester if anyone's listening that might be you know newly pregnant or in, or in the later stages of their pregnancy what would you love them mm -hmm. to know and understand about it i would recommend so if you're pregnant planning to be or you know almost there or even if you've passed you know you've given birth and you're some 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 women that I see, you know, they're past their postpartum, you know, that 40 days, but we're always postpartum after we give yeah. birth, I suppose. And then even if they're 10 years later, it's the same thing. You can still find that healing. So prepare for it, especially if you're pregnant, uh, still haven't given birth. I would definitely plan, plan, plan. So nowadays we always hear about the uh, birth plan. I would create a postpartum plan that's something i do uh, like i have this planner with my students and i tell them to use it with their clients so if you know they ha they have a client who's hiring them to be their doula or anything like that just plan so sit down and think about who can come and help you out who you know family look at your family first so who can come and help you um, who can you hire to help you is it a cleaner a few times a week is it someone to help with the other children uh, do you have a partner are they going to be able to help who's going to be cooking your meals what will you be eating every single day you need to eat you know you'll feel hungry especially in the first times after birth you know that first week and even right after you give birth what will you be eating at the hospitals in the uk it was unbelievable <laughs> like i gave birth and then they came with a piece of toast <laughs> one piece of toast and a cup of tea okay i appreciate whatever you give me fine thank you so much but i've literally given birth <laughs> as you said even with my other two they were much easier 
but I'm tired, I'm exhausted. It's the hardest mm. physical thing you do. And birth, they say it's a natural trauma to the body, you know, it's natural. Yeah. It happens naturally, but it's still a type of trauma. So there's lots of things that change in the body. And over months, you start to think, oh, I never had that before I was pregnant. Oh, what's this? You know, lots of changes that go on. So you need to be fed and nourished properly. And the traditional midwives will always say, for the postpartum woman, for the nefsa, always try to give her the best, you know, foods, fresh, freshest foods possible and organic as possible as well, if that's possible uh, for the family. So who will be cooking once she gives birth? What will she be eating? Is there someone who will be, you know, bringing her a nice, amazing hot chicken soup uh, to the hospital or in, at home if she's birthing at home? So this all requires planning, especially nowadays with families, you know, maybe across the, the different countries around the world, or just, you know, even in the West, we have lots of isolation and there's, it's not the same as the Arabic culture where the parents will just expect that they have to come and help. So with my parents, they knew, okay, she's pregnant. Okay, we're going to come and stay with you and then we'll bring you to stay with us. So they knew that I didn't have to ask. So another thing that's important is to learn to ask for that help because some families, as I was mentioning, in the Western world, it's become different over time, you know, with people working, you know, uh, independently and, you know, with globalization, modernization, things have changed, although it was like that in the past. So we need to ask for help. Maybe your parents or your family don't know what they should be doing. So if you can just ask, it's always harder in the beginning to, you know, set that mindset to ask, but you need to really just find a way to ask for help uh, and find solutions. So just plan, 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 make sure you know, you know, who's going to be there for you. Do you need a postpartum doula? Do you need to hire a cleaner? Um, just, yeah, plan. If you need to save up for that, you, you do it. If you need to prepare some meals, put them in the freezer. Um, but I think that's key, planning and then making sure uh, you have the support. That's key. Yeah. And you really touched on something there about the postpartum plan, because we obsess about our birthing plan, um, mm -hmm. but we don't then think past that. It's almost it, it's very difficult, particularly with your first to sort of think past that big day. Yeah. You know, um, that mm -hmm. becomes the pinnacle and then you, you just don't think past that. So that's so important. Think about how you can simplify your life, outsource mm -hmm. what you can and make sure you have some support, whatever that might be. Um, it, yeah, it's just so, so important, isn't it? Yes, it's critical. And I think even like start to have a list of resources. So, for example, if I would go back and if I give birth again, I would definitely, I had trouble with my breastfeeding. Like I wanted to breastfeed them all for a longer time than I did, but I had trouble with every single one. So I would definitely have a resource list where, okay, so if I went to breastfeed, then let's say things are not going as smooth as possible, or, you know, you think you're having any issues, then I would have the number, the details of a breastfeeding, you know, lactation consultant, someone that you know i can call and go and get an appointment and get support because in the hospitals uh, it's not really you know you won't get the support you need you need to see a lactation consultant uh, if anyone's in dubai there's a really good uh, doctor called dr delphine uh, dupuy she's french and she's absolutely amazing she's helped lots and lots yeah, and lots i've heard of her and lots of <laughs> 
others with their breastfeeding journeys. So just have those resources ready. Just do some research online and uh, yeah, ha have that support as a backup. Hopefully you won't need it, but if you do, then you don't have to worry. You can just seek out help as soon as possible. Yeah, it's about just having them in your toolbox, isn't it? Just in case. Exactly. You need the extra help. Exactly. And another thing that I found that really helped me was I'd made a couple of friends before the lockdown. Um, and we had a little WhatsApp group and we were all kind of due around the same time. And we would just be messing, messaging each other at all sorts of times of the day, sending each other pictures. And they were real. They were a real support for me because we were in the mm. thick of it together, pretty much all at the same stages. So I think that really helps as well. If you could have one or two friends that are and they don't even need to be really good friends you know I'd met these girls once or twice in person but we were so mm -hmm. bonded because we were going through the same thing at the same time that that yeah. really helped as well having just one or two people that you can message in the middle of the night when you're not sure if you know your latch is right or is this normal or you just have a million questions don't you so yeah I think that can really help as well if you can just find a little um a little support network of other mums and there are some great apps out there now and, and ways to connect um virtually if you know you're in parts of the world like the uk still where you know going out and going to baby groups and classes is just not an option exactly mm. and can yeah you tell us a little bit about your online courses and how you support pregnant mothers um uh, pregnant women sorry and mothers in this region well, my online course, I have a few different offerings. So we have, I have a, my main online course, my signature program, which is more aimed at those who want to help, uh, you know, new mothers. But then we have, we have some smaller courses and uh, packages. For example, we have a sacred uh, postpartum summit, uh, part one and part two, which I did um, a year and two years ago and these are lectures and interviews with speakers from all around the world and they talk about different uh, topics uh, on the postpartum we look at different traditions in different countries we look at postpartum depression and all sorts of different um, areas that can help you to prepare and plan and be aware of different things or things that you might think oh i would like that you know in my postpartum so we have um so I have those offerings on my uh, website. We have an ebook which talks about all of the traditional Moroccan wisdom to heal the new mother in the first 40 days. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I have the, my main course, but that's targeted more to people who want to learn about these traditions and then possibly uh, offer them to other new moms. But we do have some people who take the course just to learn, you know, the knowledge themselves, um, because we have lots of different recipes that we provide for the postpartum stage and we teach how to do the traditional bath the binding and and all those things do you get a lot of doulas midwives these sort of child care professionals um that like to take your courses oh yeah those are the majority i think many of them are mothers as well but at the mm. same time majority who take my main uh, course which is the nefset project school most of them are either doulas or they want to become a doula or they're traditional birth workers or postpartum doulas. Um, yeah, those kinds of uh, fields. Oh, I just think it's amazing, Leila. I watched the video on the homepage of your website, the, the viral video. 
yeah <laughs> and I'm gonna share it to my Instagram today and it just in one way it made me quite sad because I felt like so many women don't get that treatment and yeah. aren't aware that they should just be you know really cared for and worshipped in those days and then on the other hand it made me so happy and I was just fascinated to know more and I just thought wow this is how it's meant to be you know I felt real mixed emotions watching it because it's such an enormous thing and I just don't think it's spoken about enough and we are just sort of made to feel like we just get on with it and so many women because they don't know how they how how they could possibly feel they then don't seek help until it's perhaps a really desperate situation and they don't know where to turn and yeah I just I thought that video was just incredible we'll be right back after this short break I want to take a moment to tell you all about Dubai's first and only baby spa, La Bella Baby Spa. La Bella Baby Spa is located in the heart of Dubai Healthcare City and their amazing team are all qualified and certified pediatric nurses. The spa itself is absolutely beautiful and full of gorgeous little details. Mavia and I were lucky enough to experience the La Bella treatment for ourselves recently and I just fell in love with the energy of the place. The spa has four rooms and caters to babies ages one month to one year. The Labella team provide everything from swim diapers, baby wipes, lotion, pampers, towels and unlimited tea and coffee for us mamas. All four spa rooms are slightly different and super spacious so you can bring along family members and friends to watch your little one enjoy some serious pampering. Their services include hydrotherapy, where the spa creates a unique experience for your little one by floating in one of their super cute baby jacuzzis. In case you didn't know, hydrotherapy improves muscle strength, coordination skills, cognitive skills, digestion problems, and sleep patterns. They also offer baby massage, including full body massage, including tummy time, therapeutic massage with a focus on special needs and bonding time, and instructed massage. La Bella Baby Spa is an absolute gem and a really special treat for you and your little one to spend some quality time together in a super relaxing environment. Follow the spa on Instagram today at La Bella Baby Spa to find out more and to discover some seriously cute photos. I think this would make the perfect gift for a new mummy or just something you can do with your little one on a monthly basis for some extra special bonding time. Now let's get back to the show. Leila, can you give our listeners some words of wisdom? So for anyone listening that may be, you know, close to giving birth or pregnant or may have just had their baby and they're feeling quite anxious um, and overwhelmed, can you give us some words of wisdom? Uh, <laughs> the main thing, as I mentioned before, my main words of wisdom would be get the help because if you don't ask, you may not get. So unfortunately, that maybe the case you know it depends where you're living so get the help because you know those 40 days are critical in morocco we have a saying where the, where we say uh, the new mother's grave is open for 40 days um doesn't mean her grave is literally dug but it means she's very vulnerable as you said you felt vulnerable uh so she's very vulnerable in those first 40 days so she needs a lot a lot of help care and support so 
if you're listening, make sure you get that support network, whoever, however, even if you have to pay for it, you know, that's absolutely fine as long as you get the support you need so that you can, you know, start to heal. And it's never too late as well. So even if you're listening and you're like, oh, I've given birth five years ago or 10 years ago, it's never too late to, to look at ways where you can start to heal and get that postpartum healing. Oh, Leila, thank you so much for that. We're going to do a quick fire round now, but it's not so quick, so you can take your time. <laughs> um, what's your one piece of advice for first-time mums? You touched on quite a few things there, but if you had to just give one one sort of nugget of advice, what would it be? Uh, again, I'm, I'm going to keep going back. Um what would I say? What's the one piece? The one piece of advice is let others take care of you. So forget about the, we always say in the postpartum stage, there's no such thing as self-care. The only self-care you should be doing is letting others care for you. So that would be my thing. <laughs> yeah. Why do we find that so difficult? We really, some of us, really struggle with that don't we letting other people take care of us mm, I think yeah it's I guess just you know when we're raised and we grow up and we have to be independent I that's the thing with me that's the only stage where I knew I'm accepting all the help I can get I'm very independent I like to do my things things my way but as soon as I know I'm pregnant and I'm giving birth I'm like no I'm not doing this I'm not having it I'm not cooking I'm not cleaning because I know I just want to lay down in bed it's hard enough like i said you know for some people um breastfeeding may go very smoothly for others there may be you know little challenges along the way and you need support so for me there was no way i could go through that and then you know the lack of sleep uh having to change the nappies and make sure baby's okay and then have to cook and clean and take care of everyone else it's not happening I've done more than enough. <laughs> so we need to, you know, uh, take care of ourselves and, you know, respect our bodies and what they've done and just start to able ourselves to accept help and ask for it. So it's important and just work on it slowly. It will come. <laughs> yeah. And looking after a baby in those first 40 days is more than a full-time job. So don't feel guilty about exactly. anything else because it's full exactly. on. Um, it's the hardest. Your, <laughs> yeah, the hardest job. Um, what are your top three essential items for first-time mums? Um, I was thinking about this before. My top three, I got top two. <laughs> My top three would be, uh, so I found these period underwear where you can, you know, uh, so after you give birth and then you have your natural bleed, the lochia, I found, finally found them after I've given birth to all three. So if I would give birth, those would be in my bag ASAP. The great thing about them is you can wear a pad on top if you want to, and then you can remove it, but you'll still have that protection and safety. My worst nightmare was when, you know, you're bleeding and then you wake up and you find, you know, maybe a stain in your sheets. Yeah. And then I'm just like, I'm so tired. I'm trying to heal. And now I have to like change the sheets. It's the middle of the night. And then maybe the, the baby, you know, my little yeah. one as well. My second one, she had, you know, when they have this really light, uh, you know, it's like a diarrhea kind of thing. And then she just stained the whole the, the bed and her sheets. And I was like, oh my God, 
this is a hassle now. So at least for the baby, there's nothing I can do. She did have a diaper, but I was changing her. But for myself, now that I've found these uh, paired underwears, they're amazing because they just soak anything up. You can change them. They're washable. So you don't need to keep buying new ones. You just wash them, dry them. Where um, are they from, Layla? What brand? The brand I got were from America. I think it's, uh, what is it? She, she Thinks, she thinks something okay. like that. Uh, yeah, it's an American brand, but I've heard they sell them here in Dubai, but a different type of brand. Um, yeah, I need to find them out. But they're really, really amazing, literally, because it just saves you that time, that energy, any messes or anything. Oh my and goodness. you can use them on their own. You don't have to wear a pad. You can just wear those. Uh, because after the birth, you shouldn't use a tampon, ideally, or use one of the cups. So it's better. Um Unless you've had a cesarean birth, it's different. But if you've had a vaginal birth, then you just need to let everything rest and heal. So either pads or you can wear these period underwears, um, which really are are amazing. That's a great one. Uh, going to the toilet in those early days is such a kerfuffle because you're constantly changing your sanitary towel. And I actually mm-hmm. took a load of the... I asked um, the hospital if I could take... Um, a load of the mesh knickers because I actually found those really comfortable and I wore those with a sanitary towel with my pair of knickers over the top with some cycling shorts and then my pajama bottoms just so I could (laughs) feel really secure but every time you go to the loo it's like oh you know you're changing the baby's nappy and then you're changing your own nappy it's yeah so that sounds brilliant that's a really good one yeah they're amazing and then you can just continue like if you have a period I just use these from yeah from now on you can you can you can wear like if it's very heavy you can have another pad on top and then you just remove it and then you still have that you know your uh, underwear so yeah it's exactly it's literally Brilliant. like a lifesaver so that's definitely one. Second one i would say when you come home have netflix or whatever you like so that you can stay in bed and just watch uh tv you know while your baby's sleeping next to you so something where it's going to make you stay in bed and relax if you like netflix make sure you've got all your your subscription your shows on there and then just watch tv relax whoever it is can bring you food to your bed and just at least for those seven days you don't need to really move around a lot you know maybe just around the house ideally uh, if you can Uh, so that's second one i think the third one i can see my cloth Uh, I have a belly binding cloth here on my desk. So I would get some sort of uh, belly binding cloth uh, that you can use straight after birth. If you've had a cesarean birth, just do it lightly. Um, But you can wrap your belly, the uterus area, so all around the womb area for the first 40 days. So you you wear it all day and then at night you remove it. And we don't wear this uh, cloth, you know, to have a slim tummy or whatever people Mm. say because it's not... It's not magic. You wear it just to have the support. It supports your womb. It supports your back. And it helps, you know, with everything coming back together. So it's, yeah. it's like practical things. My mother-in-law was, um, she's Syrian and she was always covering my tummy. So even if I was just like lying on the sofa, she'd like wrap a blanket around my tummy or a scarf. Like she was always mm. making me cover my tummy. <laughs> um, like yeah, it's also... and wrap something around me. <laughs> yeah. It's also for the warmth, so also to keep warm, 
So for any postpartum woman, we always make sure she's warm. So no going out, you know, after a shower, uh, like going outside where there's AC or cold air yeah. because we don't want her to catch a cold. As we said, she's vulnerable. So making sure she's warm, cozy uh, and stuff like that. My my husband's is Syrian as well. <laughs> I, I, I know from I, I saw that when I was reading your bio, I was like, oh, uh, although your husband is a Syrian Bedouin. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, from the Bedouin uh, Naimi family. Amazing. Um, okay, Leila, what's one item you thought you would use, but you didn't actually use um, as a first time mum? And the reason I ask this question is because I feel we are marketed to with all these products and you feel this pressure of you needing a million things. And mm. uh, in my experience, I actually didn't go overboard. I didn't I didn't buy loads of things. But even in my, my small... Um, sort of the list of things I ended up getting there's a lot of things I didn't end up really needing so what's one thing mm. that you, you think is not a sort of essential item uh, I'm the same as you I really didn't go overboard I had the I don't you know I didn't buy loads of gadgets and things um but what 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 didn't I need I didn't well I bought maybe too many clothes so I think essential items what i would do i would just buy a few you know like casual things my child didn't really need any you know when you have you buy all these fancy little cute dresses and things but to be honest i was just at home resting all i needed you know the baby grows so the mm. what do you call them the onesies, the onesies. Uh, and a few you know, yeah and the vests that go underneath so i would just not overdo it and buy too many things in the beginning because they grow fast um, and you know, I bought all these little shoes, which of course we didn't use. <laughs> um, so just, I would just buy a few cotton, you know, nice cotton, uh, onesies that you need for every day and you can just change them, wash them. Um, that's about it. That's what I would. I'm seven uh, months focus. in and the only thing my daughter wears is baby grows. She has like exactly. of clothes that she just doesn't wear because I just stick her in a baby grow every day and I love babies and baby grows I think they're so cute they um, are they are <laughs> yeah and I actually prefer them in, in just baby grows to be honest um what's one thing nobody warned you about before becoming a mum um <laughs> that you won't sleep much <laughs> I was so like I don't know I, I don't know if I've ever been around you know people with small kids I don't think I have because I lived in Morocco then I moved to England uh, and my family was still in Morocco so uh, you know I didn't grow up around lots of little kids so in my mind I was pregnant about to give birth and I still didn't realize you know how tired I would feel and how I would have to be waking up every so often like I literally didn't expect it to be like that so with my first my mom was with me and we would both wake up at night like, what does the baby want? We fed them. We've changed them. Now what? Like, I want to sleep. <laughs> so that's why I keep going on about support and have that support because you, you wake up in the morning and you may still feel tired if your baby, which is normal for your baby to wake up, you know, a few times a night, even up to a year, you know, they, they do that even beyond the year. So that's normal and especially in the beginning they're trying to feed a lot and if you're breastfeeding you have to keep uh, waking up and doing that and of course if they're bottle feeding you need to get up uh, prepare the bottles and things like that so by the morning you still may be feeling tired so you need that support for people to be there and let you have you know a nap 
it's easy to say, go have a nap when baby's sleeping, but I could really never do it if I was sleeping next to my baby because I would be worried, waking up, checking, hearing the noises. So if I needed a nap, I would literally have to sleep somewhere else while the baby is sleeping. So um, yeah, just be aware of you know what's happening and plan again and have people there to support you so that you can get that rest and healing. Yeah, I find it really hard to sleep when my baby slept in the beginning. I don't think I actually mastered that until she was maybe two or three months old because I just couldn't sleep. I just stare at her. Mm. I couldn't relax. Exactly. You know, I was so exhausted. I just, and, and then part of me thought, well, I might actually feel worse if I sleep for half an hour. So, you know, I'll just, I'll power through. But I, yeah, I don't think anything prepares you for the exhaustion. It does get better. Exactly. But in those early days, it does. I remember crying to my husband I was just like I've never been so tired (laughs) yes yes um and it really yeah it's a bit of a shock to the system but it does get better it does get better um what's your favorite thing about being a mum my favorite thing is um seeing these three I have three little ones so seeing these three little people you know um, growing up and be getting their own characters and every, each one is different so it's nice to see them grow up and see you know what they will become and that you have done that so it's like coming from you I'm always telling them if, if they make me cross I'm like I've created this of course I believe that God has given you know me these children but at the same time it's, it's happened through my body so I'm just like you know we've created these beings uh, through you know the help of God, of course, and it's just amazing to see them grow and develop their own identities and things like that. And finally, Leila, what does motherhood mean to you in three words? <laughs> That's difficult. Uh, I think let's see. One word I can think of is adaptation. So you have to yourself learn how to adapt to you know everything around you to this new life to you know to motherhood so it's all about learning to adapt um what else does motherhood mean it means a new type of love that you've never experienced before when you have these children and it means i think a new type of respect for your parents as well so when you become a mom you look at your own mom differently and think, oh my God, poor mom, what has she been through? <laughs> so that's, for me, that's what it's made me, you know, start to realize and notice even more. Uh, Leila, thank you so much. I'm going to put all your information in the show notes so people can find your website, your Instagram, your courses, um, everything um, that people can can find you on and if they want to learn more and get in touch with you so everything will go in the show notes so thank you so much Leila I really really appreciate it Um, I think the work you do is just it's so incredible and the message that you're getting across to women and how you're helping women and what you're teaching us about what happens to your body after you have a baby and how we should be taken care of I just think is is amazing so thank you you're most welcome thanks for having me I really enjoyed speaking to you today and 
thanks to you as well for sharing these messages and making it accessible to women everywhere online. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Leila. Thank you so much once again to Leila. You can find links to Leila's Instagram page and website in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, including the Friday's Child Facebook community. This is a group I have created in the hope to share positive birth stories, along with parenting life hacks, tips and tricks, general advice, and much more. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review, and subscribe to Friday's Child the Podcast to help us reach more wonderful mummers. Until next time, thank you for listening.